Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets the crossing. It's towards one. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera, only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go live from Los Angeles, California. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for tuning into episode 24 of Give and Go. We were away for a little while, took a little break after the World Cup, but we are back after a month. And after just taking a look at the level of support that we've gotten post the World Cup, it has been incredible. It has been amazing. We at Girls Soccer Network are so incredibly appreciative of all of the support that we've been getting from you guys. It's been consistent. It's been steady. And that's all that we can hope for. Again, to get all the latest information, news, merchandise, analysis, everything related to soccer, health, lifestyle, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. And for this podcast, all you got to do is ask Siri to play this show's name. You can play the newest podcast, play the first episode. You can play really however you want to do it. You can get it done. Just play, give and go. Siri will get it done for you. So that's the best way to do that. Okay, now the World Cup is over, and it seems like, all right, what could we possibly be getting on to next? Well, a lot has still happened, not just in the NWSL, but involving the U.S. women's national team, involving other countries around the world. So this is going to be a a great show. We're going to get right into it. We start with Girls Soccer Network, the Victory Tour. I was in attendance with our CEO, Jen, at the game at the Rose Bowl against Ireland. And yeah, to say that the United States went all out is an understatement in terms of the pageantry and the bright lights, the entertainment, the pizzazz, all of that was there and just totally relevant leading up to the match, which was great. You know, you have your fireworks, you have introductions, everything was as over the top as could be. And it was great. You had more than 37,000 fans in attendance. It was just a great night, a great atmosphere to be at the Rose Bowl. Just for me, it was pretty surreal having never been and just thinking about what this place was like 20 years ago in 1999, that this was the same site that played host to one of not just the most important moments in you know, women's soccer history, but in American sports history. I mean, you put that up there with some of the most iconic moments in sports, in American sports history, period, filling up that Rose Bowl and winning the game in that fashion. So to kind of see it come full circle for me, that was pretty special and grateful for that opportunity to see the game from the press box, a, a bit of a different atmosphere, as I mentioned before, as opposed to being in the stands, nice and quiet from the press box. You can kind of see overall what the outset, what the the lineups are, how the United States are going to go at Ireland. And again, for the most part, it wasn't, you know, it was what you would expect from a game like this. The United States, from the jump, just had the ball in Ireland's half. 
know, Ireland somehow managed to get one or two chances on the counterattack, but really this was all about the United States. However, they could get into the box. They were Crystal Dunn on the one wing, Kelly O'Hara on the other, creating chances. They were fantastic. It was just so much fun to watch. Lindsey Horan looked like one of the best players on the pitch. And of course, now, Horan, Mewis, and Ertz were in the starting lineup together for the first time in a game that has no relevance whatsoever, other than the fact that it's the victory tour. So that was a bit of a surprise. I will definitely, definitely say that. (laughs) But other than that, it was a great, great night, and they've got more to come, more to enjoy on this tour. And it was awesome that it started with the Rose Bowl. I believe during the broadcast you had Mia Hamm kind of, again, no real update regarding LAFC and the NWSL in terms of expansion, but it's what we need. It's what we all want for a market that big to potentially get a team at this stage with the popularity increasing. It could be huge, and it's something that could be a game changer for the NWSL. So hopefully, you know, they they get that moving. You know, there's also the New England team with um, Christine Lilly and that group, the Hartford New England potential ownership group as well. So that would be really interesting. So still a lot to, to look at in terms of the NWSL, which we will get to later in the show. But yeah, in terms of U.S. Women's National Team, the first game of the Victory Tour was pretty epic. Everyone looked great, but just moments before the game, I think, not moments before, but days before, you kind of figure out that Jill Ellis surprisingly will be stepping down at the end of the tour. I think we can all kind of speculate what the reasons are. You know, there's so many different ones you could think about. The overall pressure and media circus that surrounds you. Like, does she want to do that again for another cycle? Do you, are you doing it now for, so that another coach gets an opportunity? I think that was one main reason that she kind of referred to in the press conference the day before the game. We actually do have a small clip of Jill Ellis, not necessarily talking about her decision to step down, but about the relative level of diversity within this talent pool and what the Federation's plan should be going forward as they look to diversify this player talent pool. Hi, Coach. Um, You're talking about how this is a platform that gives you a voice. Do you feel the team is lacking diversity as an ambassador? Should the program reach out to more areas at every level? Well, I think first I'll address that part. I think the the more neighborhoods, parks, uh, cities, urban areas, everywhere, the more we can increase our footprint. I think it's great. I think one of the things, you know, I, I, I credit our, our departing general secretary. You know, I remember Dan saying to me, you're going to play in different places because we want to we want to be out there as much as possible, maybe not in these quote-unquote hotbeds. So I think that's important for us to be out there. Um, I think the investment in these areas, in the cities, in the, you know, areas where, where our sport is still not accessible, and even in middle America, where it's not accessible, you know, for parents to have three kids playing soccer and it's so freaking expensive, um, you know, those are things that certainly we have to have conversations about to make it more accessible to everybody um, and make that a, a priority in terms of, you know, uh, diversifying our sport. And it's not just, it's not just racial, it's, it's economic, it's, you know, it's ge- geographic, it's every, every area we need to, I think, address in terms of making sure that, um, you know, this sport can touch as many people as possible. And then we also have to look at why people leave the sport, because I think that's pretty big on the female side. 
Again, that was a quick clip of Jill Ellis at the press conference before the Victory Tour match against Ireland. And now that, you know, she's decided to do so and really has kind of cemented herself as one of the best managers, even though she caught a lot of flack, a lot of flack, and a lot of stuff was thrown her way, still managed to get the job done. So she deserves so much credit, so much credit for what she was able to do. And it stinks that she did not want to go for the three-peat to kind of cement that would really put it over the top but sometimes enough is enough and maybe she just feels that with a new generation coming in it'll be a great opportunity for another coach to carry the torch forward and i think it'll be interesting to see which coach it will be is it a foreign coach will it be another american coach right because we have had foreigners in the past with decent success do we bring in Sweden's coach again, right? Mr. Uh, Gustafsson had a great World Cup getting Sweden all the way to the semifinal. He will definitely be a name to look at. You're looking at Vladko Antonovsky and Paul Riley. I think two men who are more well-versed in American soccer in terms of personnel and coaching than many others. The two of them have worked tirelessly here getting better on that front so they would definitely be deserving either one of them but the question is should it be with this movement it should be a female right it should be someone who is capable of carrying on this tradition and kind of being a spearhead for this equal pay movement so i don't know do you consider amanda cromwell laura harvey uh two names again once very popular a little while ago, maybe not necessarily as much now, but two names who have been thrown out there who could take over. I think it'll be very interesting to see which name it is that will end up becoming the next manager of the U.S. women's national team. Whoever it is, I mean, they will get an incredible group of players to work with, that's for sure. So, you know, one of those players that will certainly be a part of the team's plans is Rose Lavelle and we also got the opportunity to speak with her briefly about the World Cup win and what life was like after the World Cup. Yeah I mean I it's been like a crazy couple weeks and I'm kind of more of a chill person I really like my favorite hobby is doing like absolutely nothing <laughs> so um it's been like crazy busy um so I've just kind of like when I have a chance like take moments to just kind of like relax and um, enjoy myself but at the same time I think it's been incredible to see like all the support that this team has gained and I think we definitely like felt that when we were in France but I think that we come back and like see, see it ourselves and all the different places we've been it's like just like a whole different feeling and like it, it, it was really uh, person who you most wanted to share the win with and why, or I should say, I mean, there's been so much on your dog. Uh, who you wanted to share the win with at most and why? Um, like who I wanted to like. like. Who did you want to get home and see and be like, oh my god, can you believe we did this? Well, my parents were at the game in the finals and I got to hug them like after while they were in the stands, so that was like really special. I think that was cool just because um, I think like they're a huge reason why I still like love the game as much as I do because they never put any pressure on me and they just like kind of enjoyed the ride just as much as I did um so be able to like see them immediately after and be able to like hug them and just kind of enjoy the moment that I feel like all three of us have like looked forward to was really special 
Again, that was Rose Lavelle. And again, what a superstar she is evolving into getting to be there at the game. She did not start, but she came on later on in the match. And the ovation that she got really is indicative of how she is basically the next future superstar to potentially take over for Alex Morgan to kind of be the face of the U.S. Women's National Team. Even though she considers herself to be this introverted, quiet, shy person, she could end up being the one to carry the mantle next at this rate if she continues to do what she's doing. But again, to get the reaction that she got when coming on was pretty crazy. To see how well-liked she is. So, yeah, it was pretty cool that we had the media access to be able to grab some sound bites for you this episode. Obviously, we don't have uh, an interview, but we have some great stuff coming in the next couple episodes. So make sure, again, you keep downloading, keep subscribing. The support has been great. Now word from our first sponsor, Striker Elite. Based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Striker Elite develops confident, creative, and elite players in soccer and for life. After instructing players seeking to play at the highest level, Coach George Nahorski quickly recognized the need for an environment that helped these players excel at a rapid pace. That's where the creation of an academy that would specialize in training soccer players was born. Focusing on player development, the curriculum at Striker Elite emphasizes technical skills, tactical awareness, mental toughness, character, leadership, and confidence. They currently have U.S. Development Academy, ECNL, ODP, and college players at Striker Elite, as well as aspiring players seeking to play professionally. Striker Elite trainers are qualified and have extensive playing and coaching experience. Whether you're a club player looking to take your game to the next level and become a college or professional player, they will help you fulfill your goals. They provide elite one-on-one training, partner training, small group and team training, plus elite camps. For more information, go to www.strikerelitesoccer.com. Okay, we get back to the matter at hand, the NWSL. The team of the month in July was just named, and now we're finally starting to see order be restored and kind of the balance of power shift back into the teams that we'd initially thought coming into the season would be there near the top. When you look at this team of the month, other than Kaylin Sheridan in net, Marta, and then Gabby Seiler, right? Other than those three players, everyone else is from either Chicago or North Carolina, right? So they have dominated the lineup for this month, and rightfully so, they've taken their spots up near the top of the table. The Courage are still, you know, just behind in second place, and Chicago are not that far behind either, but it's really becoming an interesting, interesting top three. Excuse me, so the Courage have moved in to first place now by one point with Portland drawing with Sky Blue earlier this weekend. Christine Sinclair was able to convert from the spot, but Sky Blue managed to equalize through Imani Dorsey. So huge result for Sky Blue to keep their winning ways going as well. But again, we'll get to them in a minute. So you got the Courage, Thorns, and Red Stars. Rain FC once again in the mix with the Washington Spirit not that far behind. Again, Utah has a game, a couple games in hand as well. They can move up. Houston of course, in the mix, Houston, I did have as the fourth team this year. They are four points off that fourth spot, so it's going to be a fun ending to the season. The Courage are back, right? Four wins out of their last five. You look at the Thorns, a bit inconsistent. That's what's allowed the Courage to creep up on them. 
two wins, two draws, one tie. And then the Red Stars also in great form, just like the Courage did lose a little while back, but have won four in a row and bounced back very nicely. Sam Kerr approaching 70 plus goals (laughs) in the league. None of them are penalty kicks. All right, let's get that right. So that just goes to show her level of skill in and around the box that she isn't picking up those extra nickel and dimers either from penalties is also speaking to how good she is. So this Red Stars team is looking like when they really click and they're all together, um, they're going to be a top two team along with the Courage who, again, have seemed to have fixed everything, sorted their issues out, better goalkeeping, better play as a team the way that they're creating goals they also with their high level tempo and intensity and pressure force mistakes on the teams that aren't necessarily all that capable at the back especially in terms of being able to pass move the ball portland again continuing to you know remain in that top half with players who have again are having breakout seasons gabby seiler making the team of the month you have midge purse among the league leaders and goals scored it's about the development of talent right and i don't think i've mentioned this enough one of the great things about pro sports is how you don't necessarily have to be stuck in the box or the label that people are going to put you in and it's a microcosm for life people are going to put you in a box and label you and try to cordon you off and say this is where you are going to work this is where you are going to operate and you must stay in this lane only you can't improve you can't grow you can't work on the other things that you're weak at but in sports there are some who can just break through that and not care at all at what other people have to say and they're willing to work hard The player that needs to be highlighted is Kristen Hamilton, who won player of the month, scored some ridiculous goals, picked up all the slack for the courage, scoring a bunch. And, you know, what what more can you say about her and her development having a breakout season now? You know, because it's been a couple years since she's been in the league and she's just consistently gotten a little bit better each and every year. And now here, finally, we have the breakout season. And when you add her into the mix with, you know, now Jessica McDonald's gone on the tour, but you have her with Crystal Dunn also gone. And then Lynn Williams, you have Leah Pruitt, who they drafted. I mean, they have Julia Spetsnark, Spetsmark, who they brought in from Sweden. You know, they have to feel very comfortable with their level of attacking play that they have. And no matter who stays, no matter who leaves, the Courage are set up for a while. And that was kind of, you could tell, the purpose of stockpiling all these players so that when, again, they go on the victory tour, right, not having J-Mac, not having Crystal done for these next couple of games could be critical. One of the other things that I think is so cool, that has been so cool, is the ESPN deal, and I hope that we can get this going continuously, but seeing the ticker on the bottom with all the scores, and you can see the NWSL's ticker come up with the different teams, different scores, when they came up, just what that does. I can't tell you what it does for the exposure and for the awareness of the game. Just to get people even thinking about it is like, oh, hey, there's a professional women's soccer league in America here that I could follow. Maybe I should get more involved with it. Where can I watch it? 
and then interest is peaked and that's how we get more fans so this is huge hopefully we can keep it going to get this level of coverage hopefully you know we get the expansion and more teams so that it can follow kind of this mls model that we have seen in the past with teams just springing up left and right now so if the nwsl is able to do something similar it would be amazing with espn it's just been a dream come true and then you get better broadcasters you just get a better quality product out on the pitch and that's really what we're looking for in order to legitimize this as much as we possibly can actually it is girls soccer networks we don't just take a look at the professional ranks the college ranks we also got the high school ranks to take a look at and there are some future stars who we would like to highlight they've won the Development Academy Player of the Year. Now, it's split up into three different conferences, right? You have East, Central, and West, and all three of these players have something about them that makes them stand out in their own right. First player to mention, Leah Godfrey. The midfielder is one of the few players to get, as a 14-year-old, to get called into the U-17 World Cup team. The last player to do that was Morgan Bryan. So great company for Leah Godfrey to be joining. Similarly to Morgan Bryan, she will be going to the University of Virginia, going to be a junior, still has, I believe, one year left of high school eligibility. So she's going to be a fun player to watch down the line at the University of Virginia, someone who has been highly touted for quite some time. So that's definitely a name to remember out of the East. In the central, you have Alexis Misimo, a prodigy who has, she knew where she was going to college, play soccer for a long time. Committed to the University of Texas in the eighth grade. This girl can play. Saw some clips of her from the Development Academy's Twitter, and you can just see why these players are named the best of the best, because they just are head and shoulders above um, everyone else when you watch them on the ball, when you watch the way they pass, the way they look, the way they move. It just looks like that level of quality is just there. And Alexis Misimo totally displayed that. Again, Alexis Misimo plays for Solar Soccer Club, whereas Leah Godfrey plays for United Soccer Alliance. Our last player out of the West, Niku Purcell, um, out of Rain's Rain FC's Soccer Academy, uh, one of the best young keepers out there right now playing for the youth national team, playing all around the circuit. Someone who, um, it's only a matter of time before she's getting looks. Probably already is getting talks from college coaches as as to where she's going to go. Although with goalkeepers, there's still growing that needs to be done. Body adjustments need to be made in terms of getting used to your body and having that level of athleticism and control as you grow up. That's something to worry about for goalkeepers. But I think Inigu Purcell has a very, very bright future ahead of her as well. Now a word from our second sponsor, Topical Gear. Topical Gear was formed in 2011 by a team of professionals from the orthopedic sports medicine field. Collectively, this team has over two centuries of knowledge in athletic training, biomechanics, product development, manufacturing, sports medicine, arthroscopy, and the pioneering of products in the orthopedic sports medicine market. Their team is constantly on the field or in the gym getting feedback directly from parents, players, coaches, and athletic trainers as part of their continuing effort to develop products that help increase female athletes' performance while keeping them healthy. All of their products are backed by professional published research and tested by real athletes at both the high school and college level. All you soccer players, parents, and other athletes out there 
go to www.compressioninmotion.com and check out the T25 knee along with other shoulder and ankle products. Okay, so we got two main social media lifestyle stories before we wrap up here. One of them, I saw Heather O'Reilly tweeting about Tab Ramos being the under-20 manager for the men's national team and getting more money uh, than Jill Ellis, which again is a problem something that we've discussed heavily on this show before could that be another reason that ellis has decided to step down we have no idea but i think it is definitely something to consider in this fight for equal pay we could hear equal pay being chanted at the game on multiple occasions that was a pretty special moment to hear all of those fans doing that it's really become a fun movement to be a part of and it will you know, it's only going to be like this for as long as we continue to make change. More and more facts like these are going to come up. So even though there has been work on equal pay for the players, right, the coaches even then still have issues with getting the same level of pay. I wouldn't be surprised if there are MLS coaches who are getting more money than Jill Ellis was. I would not be surprised at all, which is unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Lastly, but not least, the FIFA World Player of the Year nominees are out. All right, so we've got a short list of the 12 best players, and we're going to go down the list here. Uh, Lucy Bronze, the best right back in the world, had an incredible showing at the World Cup. I don't think there's any doubt that she deserves to be on this short list as one of the nominees for the best women's player. Julie Ertz, yes, ma'am, I'll take that. One of four Americans to make this and I don't think there's any question there if she's not in the team it makes things very difficult for the U.S. women's national team Caroline Graham Hansen of Norway now she had a phenomenal tournament herself the World Cup tournament the midfield maestro the number 10 shirt was weaving in and out of defenders setting up players scoring attacking looking incredibly dangerous on the ball someone again who is among the world's elite and i believe is headed to chelsea so she will be among the world's elite coming up next on the list someone who did not play for norway in her boycott against norway ada hegerberg one of the best goal scorers in the nation the reigning ballon d'or winner likely going to be in that top three so how it works is you can kind of vote in a top three and then i think it will be named from there I don't know if the entire process is open to voting or not, but at least this top three will be. And I think you're looking at Ada Hegerberg probably being in that top three. I, I would think she's going to get in there. Amandine Henri coming in next, and we know what she's capable of. She was the driving force for France, really did everything in her power to get that team past the United States how hard she worked, the complete player, the complete midfielder, definitely deserving here. Rose Lavelle, yeah, can you debate it? Can you dispute it at this point to have her as one of the 12 best in the world? Scored the clinching goal in the World Cup final, has come on and emerged as one of the best of the best in big-time competitions. Sam Kerr. Oh, finally, we got the nomination, and I don't think there's any doubt now. With Ada Hegerberg, Sam Kerr should be in the top three as well. Just with her sheer goal-scoring record, I don't think you can debate that she needs to be in this top three as well. Because she does it not just in the NWSL, but in the W League. She does it all year round. She does it for the Matildas as well. She's scoring all the time for club and for country. They're always playing in big-time games. She needs to be in the top three. 
Next up, Vivian Miedema. Again, the leading scorer in the Premier League, the best striker in England, and of course the best striker for Holland as well. Obviously unable to really muster up something against the United States in the final, but their run it was something to behold. And even though they really ran out of gas in the end, we know how talented that team is. Even though they did not have the depth, you could see how good they really were. And Miedema is that world-class level striker with the ball at her feet. She knows what she's doing. So definitely deserving. Of course, next up, Alex Morgan. Yeah, I mean, people, I, I definitely feel like her level of production with the United States national team is so high that it's hard to leave her off. I mean, when you're putting a list together of the 12 best players, she kind of has to be on it. I think that kind of just goes without saying. She had to be on this list whether she was scoring goals or not because she hasn't done it for the Orlando Pride, and we've talked about that in the past. So whether you like it or not, Alex Morgan's making this short list. Of course, Megan Rapino as well, winning player of the tournament at the World Cup. She could be in this top three mix as well, I think, as the last of the four Americans. I think I would not be surprised if it was Ada Heberberg, Sam Kerr, Megan Rapino as that top three. If you had to ask me, I think Heberberg could win it. I really hope Sam Kerr wins it. But if Pino were to win it, that would be special too. I mean, just with to kind of cap off this cycle with the World Cup winning Golden Boot, winning player of the tournament, having the perfect tournament at the World Cup, I think expect Pino to be in that mix. Wendy Renard, of course, one of the best center backs in the world, arguably according to this list, the best center back in the world. It looks like she's the only defender on this list other than Lucy Bronze. So you're looking at two defenders out of the, I believe it's 12. So of the 12 players, two are defenders. Renard, the best center back. Bronze, the best right back. I don't think there's any, again, debate there. She has to be on here for her play and her effort. Really no nonsense uh, we need more players like her, that old school kind of I'm going to knock your head off type mentality. And she had that the entire World Cup. And last but not least, Ellen White, ever consistent Ellen White. Not flashy, not going to overdo it, not going to, you know, wow you with some amazing world-class skill dribbling on the ball. But the bottom line is she sticks the ball in the goal without question. You get the ball in a dangerous area, runs in behind, in and around the box, headers, you name it, the ultimate finishing poacher assassin. That's Ellen White, and that's why she's on this shortlist as well. So well done to her, well done to these ladies. Again, the final three is going to be, I don't know which order you get it, Ada Hegerberg, Sam Kerr, Megan Rapino. That's going to be my three, but we will see. I believe in Milan, these awards will be announced in September. Okay, so another episode of Give and Go is in the books, episode 24 to be precise. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, I am your host, Rotas Vadera. Thank you so much for all the latest. Again, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com. Forgot to mention Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network. Our Twitter page, at Girls Soccer Net. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. Make sure to check it all out there. And then, of course, Give and Go this can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. Again, thanks for tuning in, downloading, subscribing, guys. Keep doing it. We love you for it. Thank you. We will be back in two weeks. Peace.